thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. I wonder if you've ever changed your stand on anything. Anyone ever changed their stand on anything? Yeah? I wonder if you've stuck stubbornly to where you've stood because you refused to move on it. You know, I was, um, one of the things I forgot to do in the notices, we do a book group on a Friday afternoon. Uh, it's online at the moment from quarter past one to quarter to two. And uh, we read a Christian book, a chapter a week, 10 minutes max, I would say. And um, then we discuss it. And it's really, really good. If you're free on a Friday afternoon, um, quarter past one to quarter to two, we start the next book a week on Friday, so two weeks last Friday, if you like. And uh, even if you don't, even if you can't join the group online, you could get the book and read along with us and put comments into the WhatsApp group. Um, but the book we've just read was quite amazing, and we're about to read another one uh, called "Dangerous Prayers" by Craig Grishel. And all those people on Friday that promised me they'd bring a hard copy forgot, so it's fine. I forget loads of things, so don't worry about it. Don't don't beat yourself up, Faye. I can see you doing it. Don't worry. <laughs> But uh, I've changed my opinion on lots of things over the years. Some things not that important. I now like cheese. I never used to. Uh, mushrooms. I can cope with mushrooms. Quite like them. Uh, but I've changed my stance on an awful lot of things, even as a Christian, in terms of church. As I've gone through life, um, having been shaped by one church for a long time, I've found myself going, actually, I need to question some of those things. And it's quite important. And uh, last week was really good. Who was here last week? Yeah, brilliant. It was good, wasn't it, to hear from three different people from our church family, uh, plus Ian as well, who shared briefly at the beginning and hosted it, of how God, and more specifically, the Holy Spirit has had an impact on their lives. And uh, from chicken stealers with slingshots to Methodist ministers' daughters and mediocre golfers, um, we're all different, aren't we? But we can worship, and we do worship the same God. And that's really important to recognize that God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've sung it this morning. Yet my background and my church upbringing, and even my experience as a part of Spring Mount, was shaped by what I learned when I was younger. And some of it was sometimes a trinity, which was more like a two and a half version, rather than a three part version because we would talk about the father's love we would obviously talk a lot about Jesus because Jesus is the fully divine fully human person of the trinity that in some ways it's probably the easiest to relate to because he walked this earth just like we did but there was a definite lack of teaching of the fullness and the filling of the Holy Spirit in fact one of the young people from Springmount before my time was at Adam Hudson's funeral recently, and she was sharing how her and her friends would have prayer times in a bedroom and experience something of the Holy Spirit, even though they didn't know an awful lot about the Holy Spirit. Yet the Holy Spirit is all the way through the Bible. And actually, even more so when the early church started to grow in huge, huge numbers. Why? 
Because the Holy Spirit is the power of God living in us if we're a Christian. The power of God available to fill us afresh and to keep filling us afresh. It wasn't until I started taking the young people to other camps and meetings that I started to really explore who the Holy Spirit really is. And I realized that there had been, not intentionally, there had been some quenching of the Holy Spirit, and maybe a fear of what he's able to do in us and through us as Christians. I think some of that fear came from a human desire to be in control and not be overwhelmed or swept away, or even a desire to be stiff upper lipped and not cry tears of release or the joy of laughter. But actually, sometimes we've missed out. I would be encouraged. Who's read the book Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger, Okay. I read that book. I was encouraged to read Christian testimonies of great Christian workers. She's received awards. I think it's, is it the MBA or the OBE she's got for her work in Hong Kong? And actually, it's very clear when you read that book that, for example, the gift of tongues and the power of the Holy Spirit instantly helps hardened heroin addicts get off drugs. Instantly. And it's very clear from reading that book that that is the case. Yet being told that the gifts of the Spirit weren't for now... And we couldn't sing, Spirit, we love you, we worship and adore you. Is at odds with that, isn't it? So I've got to ask myself, why? Do you know, there are some brilliant books that explore this theme of the Holy Spirit, probably far better than I will be able to do in a few half an hour sessions on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to recommend them to you. One is Forgotten God by Francis Chan. One is a really new one by Max Lucado called Help Is Here. And another one is Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit by Jack Deere. All of those books are written by people who've come from a similar background to myself, yet have realized they had not recognized the fullness of God's Holy Spirit that was available to them and in them. So I'll start with that. And we start a new series today on the Holy Spirit. And I believe I'm going to fight a losing battle, Okay. I'm going to admit that to you straight off. I'm going to fight a losing battle. I'll explain why I'm going to fight a losing battle. Number one, some people won't think I've gone deep enough and won't like what I'm saying and won't, won't think I should go further. And some people would rather I wasn't doing a series like this in the first place. So I think I'm going to fight a losing battle in some ways because some people would rather we didn't address it. But I want to start, before we get into the Bible, with a few basics that are from the Bible. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a thing. We don't describe the Holy Spirit as an it. It has neither gender nor female definition in Hebrew. So we're gonna, we will say he because it's easier and less confusing than, than keep saying both. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force. This isn't Star Wars. You know, I'm not going to be Darth Vader and chokehold you from the, the back row. Okay, it's not a force. He is powerful, but it isn't just a force to be used. He isn't just a force to be used. One word I might use is quench. I've used it already. Well, where do you, where do you hear that word, quench? Sorry? It means to extinguish a fire, to dampen it down. It means to quench our thirst. In other words, to stop you from being thirsty. So actually, all of those words, quench, can mean choke, extinguish. And actually, I believe sometimes that's happened in, in my life, where it's been choked because it's, there's a fear of what God can do in his power. So, he's present in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, 
starts with this. Who knows the first words in the Bible? I'm just doing this to make sure you're awake, okay? There's going to be a lot of theory in, or theology and theory in the next few weeks, but it's important we know these things. If you're new to church, it, it won't be quite as, as heavy some weeks, and it'll be heavier other weeks. But this, this morning, it's important we start off right. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 2, and the words should be on the screen, say, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth didn't have any shape and it was empty. There was darkness over the surface of the waves. At that time, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And we know in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Father, Son, and Spirit are present at the very, very beginning. This isn't something that's just happened. They're present for all time. Throughout the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit is present at certain times and certain places for empowering and for a purpose and to glorify God. When David defeats Goliath, the Holy Spirit comes. Samson at various moments in his life and the opening of the temple are just three that I think of. And the presence of the Holy Spirit is seen, is mighty, and is overwhelming. Yeah? Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit is promised in the book of Joel, which is quoted by the apostles in Acts to explain some of what's happening. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 29 say, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. It's promised that the Holy Spirit will come. And even this morning, um, we've read from Isaiah, the prophecy in Isaiah, we see the whole trinity. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this. We used this at Christmas a few, last year, was it last year? Said this. For to us, a child is born. This is speaking about Jesus, hundreds of years before he came. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And what will he be called? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Even in that prophecy of Jesus, it's still talking about the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Wonderful counselor. The Holy Spirit is described as a counselor, as an advocate, as someone who comes alongside. Almighty God covers all of them. Everlasting Father is God the Father. And Prince of Peace is Jesus. And you know, Jesus is named all of those things because Father, Son, and Spirit are, as Paul has already said, the same. They're the same. And yet I believe growing up, and, and there many, might be many people in this church who, who've had similar experience, that actually Father and Son were up here and maybe the Holy Spirit was a little bit to be feared. Anyone share that experience just out of interest? A couple of people. Thank you for showing your hands. That's, a, that's good. Don't worry, you won't be shot. Okay, it's fine. So Jesus will be called those things. They're all titles associated, and yet they cover the same. In fact, the Hebrew word used here for counselor isn't about what he does. It's about the person. It isn't an action. It's a person. Again, describing the Holy Spirit as a person. You know, don't worship the experience of the Holy Spirit. Don't worship the gifts of the Spirit, but worship the person. Because the person is the same, Father, Son, and Spirit. 
God in three persons. In other words, the word that's used there is like an advocate or a solicitor in court that is stood defending and advising. Yeah? One that advocates, one who shouts. As foster carers, we are called to be advocates for children. In other words, we've got to fight their corner. When everybody else is saying, no, we can't give you, there's no funding for that, no, you can't do this, we've got to shout up and go, whoa, hold on a minute. I think you're fine, there is. And we have to fight for that person. Roz is far better at it than me because she has all the meetings and all the phone calls. But that, that's what an advocate does. Do you know the Holy Spirit is an advocate for you? If you're a Christian this morning, the Holy Spirit is fighting your corner. He's going, whoa, standing up for you, standing up for what you belong to. As I start this morning, many of us may have already formed a view on the Holy Spirit. And we may be unwilling to shift that view. Maybe we're even determined to remain in a view that was taught to us in the past or has shaped us. But here's a bit of a challenge before I go into a passage of scripture this morning. The early church didn't have any specific teaching to read or digest, really, on the Holy Spirit. They didn't have Paul's letters to explain anything. They weren't able to read the Acts of the Apostles to see what had already happened because they were living it. They just had to wait on God. In fact, it says they waited, they were expectant, and they received and saw unbelievable transformation as a result. They didn't get into arguments about who the Holy Spirit was. They just sat, waited, received, and then acted in the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. They didn't get into arguments about the theology. They were just like, wow, I'm stood in front of people speaking. And I was hiding away a few weeks ago. What made the difference? The Holy Spirit. Wow, we've just seen someone get up and walk from the temple who's sat there every day, lame, disabled, not able to do anything. How's that happened? Well, the power of the Holy Spirit. They were expectant. They went from scared and disheartened fishermen who became confident and bold preachers. They went from Paul who murdered Christians into the biggest Christian of all. They went from hiding away to publicly seeing miracles happen. They saw people stand firm in their faith. We saw a church rise up from just a handful of disappointed and struggling Jesus followers to a worldwide family of believers that if you're a Christian, you belong to today. How did that happen? Human? No. The power of the Holy Spirit. So, right off this morning, I don't mean right off with a W, I mean straight away, that's better, isn't it? Straight away this morning. Can I encourage you, as we look at the story of the Holy Spirit, as we look at the person of the Holy Spirit, can I challenge us to maybe read the book of Acts with eyes and hearts that haven't been shaped by the theology of others? Can I challenge you to read it and say, God, show me who the Holy Spirit is. Don't worry about some of the theological masterclasses you might have been to because you're being shaped by a person. Let us say, Holy Spirit, God, speak to me through this book. Show me what your Holy Spirit is capable of because it's so important. Maybe as churches and as Christians, we've quenched or dampened down the expectancy of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit caused people to be overwhelmed in the temple. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God, not just beside us, but living in us. Is that exciting? Yeah? 
Do we want the presence of God? Do we long for the presence of God? Yeah. One of the things we read in the, in the book this week, and it's gone through quite a few of the books we've read, is that the New Testament doesn't talk about this getting to heaven. It talks about heaven coming to earth. It talks about heaven coming to earth. How does that start? It starts by the Holy Spirit invading our lives. And we see a piece of heaven here in Barrowy Furnace. We see a glimpse of his glory. The Holy Spirit is his presence living in us, taking up a dwelling place and making us holy and righteous. The Holy Spirit comes with power, power to make good choices. Who wants to make good choices? The Holy Spirit comes with power to make good choices. The Holy Spirit will help us keep promises, silence the inner voices of fear and failure. The power to get out of bed in the morning. The power to get on with life. The power to get busy about the right things in the right way. The power to face the unexpected, unwanted passages of time. The power to live. That is what Jesus promised then. And you know, it's what he promises now. It's what he promises now. It's what he promises today. The power to even get out of bed. Even when you're struggling Over the next eight weeks, we will look at different aspects of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about Father and Son, but I want us to really dig deep and say, who is this person of the Holy Spirit? Because if we want to see a town that has got the power to get out of bed in the morning, the power to get up and move, the power to see things happen, surely we want more of the Spirit. Yeah? Thank you. We want more of him. Max Lucado says in the book I mentioned before, he says this, your Bible makes more than 100 references to the Holy Spirit. Jesus says more about the Spirit than he does about the church, about marriage, about finances, and about the future. Why do you think Jesus places an emphasis on the Holy Spirit? Well, God does not want a bunch of stressed out, worn out, done in, and washed up children representing him in the world. He wants us to be fresher, day by day, hour by hour. But let's be careful. The topic of the Holy Spirit seems to bring out the extremists among us. (laughs) On the one hand, there are the show-offs. These are the people who make us feel unspiritual by appearing super spiritual. They are buddy-buddy with the Spirit, wear a backstage pass, and want everyone to see their healing gifts, hear their mystical tongue. They make a ministry out of making others feel less than godly. They like to show off. On the opposite extreme is the spirit patrol. They clamp down on anything that seems out of line or out of control. They are self-deputized hall monitors of the supernatural. I like that phrase. If an event can't be explained, then they dismiss it. Somewhere in between is the healthy saint. And this is what we're aiming for, Springbound. He is open, sorry, he has a childlike heart. She has a high regard for scripture. He is open to fresh strength. She is discerning and careful. Both he and she seek to follow the spirit. They clutch with both hands this final promise of Jesus. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's the promise of Jesus. Today as well as then, you shall receive power. First, I need to remind you that relationship with God, if you don't know Jesus, then the Holy Spirit in some ways will not be relevant because he won't come and live within. 
It starts with repentance. It starts with saying, God, I'm sorry. Remember, those who are new, repentance isn't us saying, repent, repent. Repentance means to turn 180 degrees. So you've been facing the world's way all this time, and then repent means to turn back and face God's way and keep going God's way. That's repentance. And we do that through Jesus, the Son, because he died for us. His sacrifice allows us to be free. So we need to turn to Jesus. If you haven't done that this morning, then there's step number one to receiving this power. To turn to Jesus, to say sorry for the things we've done, to say thank you for the things that he's done, and to say, God, I want to live for you, and I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Romans says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Simple. It's as simple as that. But it then talks about being obedient in baptism. So if you've not been baptized, if you're a follower of Jesus, why? Jesus said, believe and be baptized. So we'll have an opportunity in the next few months for people to get signed up for baptism, if that's you. Finally, be filled with the person of the whole... Don't get excited, by the way. That's finally on this point. Okay, I'm nearly... Okay, don't get too excited. Sorry, some people woke up then. Sorry, go back to sleep. It's fine. So step one is to turn to Jesus. Step two, be obedient in baptism. And step three is to be filled with the person, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us to keep on being filled because we leak when we're holy. There you go. There's a joke. Okay. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. Each week, we're going to base our little thoughts about the Holy Spirit on one passage of Scripture. promise you, because I've done that big, long introduction today, I won't talk for ages on this passage, okay? Ian's already looking at me as if to say no. <laughs> it's all right. So, John chapter 16, verses 1 to 15. If you've got your Bibles, turn to it. If you haven't, it'll be on the screen. John chapter 16, verses 1 to 15 say this. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. This is Jesus speaking before he's going to be crucified. He's about to be crucified. He knows this, and he's told them this. And he says this to them. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. So, so far, the Father and Jesus. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. Here's verse 7 you need to remember. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin. Because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. 
Read that passage again. But read verse 7. It is good for you that I go. In fact, in some versions it says it is better for you that I go. It's better not to have Jesus stood beside us, but to be filled with the Spirit. That's mind-blowing. We talked about meditation and meditating on God's Word. Think about that for a minute. It's better not to have Jesus personally stood beside us, yet to have the Spirit in us. I don't know. I've seen that all the time in my Christian life through the church. I don't know if I've always seen that. I think people would long to be with the Father and long to walk with Jesus. But actually, we're not seeing people necessarily be filled all the time with his Spirit. But here's a few points from this passage this morning about the Holy Spirit. Number one, I was with you, but it's good that I'm going. That's the Spirit. How can it be better to not have the living Jesus with them? We've got two weddings this year, Joel and Chloe. My children are both getting married. And can I just say, it might be better that they go. Okay. You know, it's been great to have them back through the pandemic, both living with us. But hear me out. I will miss Joel and Chloe being around as much as they have been. But it's better that they're gone. For me and them. Okay? They will have their own space. They will grow and be changed. And you know what? We will have less stuff dumped around our house. <laughs> Certainly from Chloe. She's not here. I can say it. It's okay. When I read this, it shows that maybe the church worldwide is not as expectant as Jesus was. Maybe the church is not as expectant as Jesus was. Because Jesus says it's better. It's better that you have the Spirit. Number two, the Spirit is an advocate. The Greek word here is parakletos or paraklete. It's a verbal adjective. That means it's a description of something that is done. It describes something that's active and at work. It means helper. It's used in courts, fighting your corner, defending you, helping you get through trials. You know, his presence in our lives should help us. It should, he should help us. As I say, in recent, the recent book we've been reading, it was all about dealing with doubt. It's okay to doubt and question. It's okay. But ask the questions of the people who might be able to sort of point you in the right direction and ask the questions of God. And it talks of how the empty tomb wasn't enough to transform the disciples. Just the empty tomb on its own wasn't enough to transform those disciples. The disciples had to wait. How long did they have to wait? Oh, that was Thomas. How long did all the disciples have to wait? 40 days. They had to wait 40 days. That's more than a month. Jesus even said to them in Luke chapter 2, verse 48 to 49, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. In other words, don't start freaking about me. Don't start sharing this until you have got the Holy Spirit in you. They were followers of Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus. They knew the Father, they knew the Son. And Jesus says to them, go and wait until you're clothed with power, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then go, go, go. And yet many of us haven't waited. For those who believe that we're filled with the Holy Spirit at the very moment we believe in Jesus, there's an example, but here's another one, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. 
there he found some disciples. What would you say a disciple was? A follower of God, a follower of Jesus, yeah? He found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. That's where we say, I'm sorry, and we turn to Jesus. That's where we make that step. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. These guys were a church. They were Jesus' followers, described as disciples, yet they hadn't fully received the Holy Spirit. And once they do receive the Holy Spirit, what do we see? Miracle. Transformation. If you're on the prayer team, just stand up. If you're on the prayer team, not just today, if you're on the prayer team, stand up. Don't worry, wait for the others. Okay. Do any of these people look scary? Right, let's not point, okay, that's rude. Do these people look fairly friendly? Yeah. When we offer prayer every week, we offer prayer, and what happened in the Bible there, Paul laid a hand on them and prayed for them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So can I just encourage you that if nothing else on a Sunday comes up that you think, actually, I really need prayer for this, go and say, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again, because the Bible says, keep on being filled. So can I just say to you, when the opportunity's there, you should be running for it. We should be going, yes. But actually, sometimes we're so reluctant. You can sit down now. I can see some of you feeling really uncomfortable. It's fine. Once they are prayed for, once they receive the Holy Spirit, we see transformation. Three, the Holy Spirit convicts. That's part of his role. That's what he does. He shows the world about sin, about righteousness, about judgment. Some of that is your conscience. Do you ever have that thought when you, you're thinking something or, and you have that voice that says, do you know what, Johnny, stop doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah? Well, some of that's your conscience, but sometimes it's also the Holy Spirit working through you saying, that's wrong. <laughs> that's wrong. That's not the right way to live. It's not going to lead to life. It's going to lead to judge. The Holy Spirit convicts the world about sin, about righteousness, about judgment. But often we dampen down that spirit. We quench it. And we say, do you know what? I'm going to carry on living life how I want to. Thank you very much. I'm going to go the way I want to. I'll follow God on a Sunday and when it suits me, but you know what? The rest of the time is mine. That's when the Spirit says no. Ananias and Sapphira tried to lie and deceive the Holy Spirit and it ended in defeat and death. Point number four, the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us into all truth. When you read the Bible, pray. As I say, read the book of Acts a chunk at a time and say, God, show me what the Holy Spirit does, who the Holy Spirit is. Show me these things for, as if for the first time. Pray before we read it. Do you know, there's academics that study the Bible and still don't get it. I believe it's because they're not asking the Holy Spirit to guide them into that truth, to show them where they need to be. But if we say, God, help me to see, what does he say in Matthew? Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and it'll, you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He will not just speak on his own. He always backs up the truth of Scripture. It's why we say when people speak into your life, we should weigh it up and don't, because it'll never disagree or go against God's word. Somebody speaking prophetically will never go against God's word if they're, if they're genuinely speaking prophetically. 
Let me give you a picture example. I'm quite good. I've got a lot of theory this morning, isn't there, Steph? Sorry. Think about it this way. When I used to deliver flowers for Roz, I had to get in the car, get a map of Ulverston, circle all the places I had to go to, plot my route, and I had to use a map. But actually, do you know what today is amazing? I showed someone at Christmas, you can plug in your phone all the different destinations you're going to go to, and then you can move them around so it plots the best, quickest route. Woo! So not only do we have a map, we can have a sat-nav that tells you to turn around where possible. But do you know what's better than a map and a sat-nav? Who's somebody who's walking you along and guiding you. Somebody who's a personal guide, yeah? Would you agree? Somebody who's willing to sit, you know, like a rally driver. You ever seen the rally drivers bombing along the road and there's someone next to them going, shout right, shout right, shout right. It's like, it's like me in the car with Chloe. It's fine. <laughs> break, 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 break. Okay? The Holy Spirit isn't like a map or a sat-nav. The Holy Spirit is like somebody walking alongside you, taking you and saying, look, I want to take you here. I want to take you there. The Holy Spirit is a person who will walk beside you but live in you. Finally, there you go, you can wake up now. He will glorify God. Why? Because he is God. Father, Son, the Spirit. He will glorify God. He won't glorify the person. He will glorify God. You know, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. And can I say, he is available right now. First step is to recognize that Jesus died for you and rose again to defeat and wipe away your sin. The second step is to ask and wait. You might go today and say, yeah, I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me. The disciples had to wait 40 days before it happened. Don't ask once and think, oh, well, I've waited three minutes you might have to wait you might have to keep asking you might have to keep knocking the second step is to ask to wait and receive his Holy Spirit in Acts it caused other people to think that they were drunk the first gospel message shared by the disciples started with we are not drunk so people obviously thought they were but when the Holy Spirit came there were miracles of healing there was provision there was protection and a multitude of people who saw a church alive and functioning in the power of God and that was what attracted them it wasn't the free food it was the church that was alive functioning in the power of God you know maybe people don't see the church today in the same way because we've got more of us alive in ourselves and barely any of the Holy Spirit at work. Maybe it's time to repent of that as individuals and as a church. Maybe it's time we turn fully to God and ask to be filled and to keep being filled. Why are we not asking and waiting today? Why? It's as simple as asking and waiting and asking and waiting. Luke said, I will only believe when I see Jesus' hands and feet for myself and the marks in his hands. And do you know, Jesus waited a week before he went and showed him them. He didn't turn up immediately and go, here I am. He waited a week. God sometimes makes us wait, and if it's worth it, it's worth waiting. So why are we not asking and waiting? Because Thomas's response when he did get to see him was, my Lord and my God. Because he experienced Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why not start asking God today and every day to keep filling you with his presence in the person of the Holy Spirit, asking him to guide and comfort and to lead you into all truth and fight for you. So there's the challenge. 
Read Acts for yourself to see what the Holy Spirit does and did. And then say, God, live in me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word and I thank you that it can lead us into all truth. I thank you as a church for the things that we've recognised perhaps that shaped us in the past and not where we are today. I thank you that you are holy and you are worthy. And Father, we ask that you be glorified in our lives. But Father, I pray this morning that you will move in power, that you will fall afresh. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us afresh, fall on us once more.